What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The second time I have hit you with that greeting today as we are now entering the final part of our five-part Reliving Year One series as we have reached the Stanley Cup final between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all had a good end to your work week. Hope you all are doing well amidst all of the craziness that has come along. I will discuss that craziness in a little bit. But uh, my name is Danny Webster. I'm your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today, for the final time this week, because we need to talk about the 2018 Stanley Cup Final, and we will do so in just a minute. But first, the usual housekeeping items out of the way first, especially to those of you who have stumbled upon this podcast for the very first time, in which I do welcome you. As this is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you may consume your podcasting, we are more than likely on there. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you want to send an email, LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is the place to do so. So it, I, I mentioned craziness a little bit earlier. Uh, definitely crazy today, um, especially when you have to go to multiple stores because you essentially have a family to feed. You have a wife and a 10-year-old goddaughter who you have to feed during this whole coronavirus pandemic in which uh, we just have to truck on. You know what I mean? I mean, I had to go to Trader Joe's first thing in the morning. The line stretched all the way around. They were sending five at a time. It was crazy. And then I, I know y'all are going to give me crap for this one. Going to Costco, it, it, I thought it was going to be tame. The one on St. Rose has been tame as of late. The line extended all the way to the the entire perimeter of the building, which in hindsight, I was only in line for like 25, 30 minutes, which I guess is not bad. And everything was really a hoot to get. They've kind of simplified it to make sure that you can have everything ready and available to you, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting time. For yours truly, in in hopes of getting some grocery shopping done. But we are not here to discuss grocery shopping. We are here to discuss the Stanley Cup Final from 2018 between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Now, I, I'll, I'm going to kind of... This is the one where I'm going to tell a lot of stories. I know the the way I've kind of spread out these first four parts, I haven't really put a lot of story into my own personal view. You know what I mean? I've been kind of going about my business, kind of giving the uh, the stamp, the uh, the overall check mark of what has happened through these first four parts. You know what I mean? And I really haven't kind of dove into really any stories. But I figured this was going to be the one where I was going to have the most stories. Some of them, I think, were really cool to experience. Others were insanely ridiculous. And uh, a lot of my colleagues and friends know what I mean when I talk about a certain plane trip to uh, Washington, D.C. I will also tell that story in a second. But I kind of wanted to set the stage here for what essentially was media day. Because 
it was really a very interesting time. Like they had media day at T-Mobile arena. I got to T-Mobile. It was around the middle of the afternoon. They were going to have, they had all the players lined up in different booths. Like they, they separate, I think it was the capitals first and they had the golden Knights come up and they, they had each player at a booth. So you can go in and talk to each player. I remember having a great conversation with Brad hunt at one point that I thought was like, Oh, that might be a fun little story to do, but I don't think it ever materialized. Um, but, Brad Hunt, always top-notch guy to talk to. Um, had a great conversation with Alex Tuck, I remember, uh, leading up to it. Um, just, just feeling like you were a part of covering something crazy. It just had this aura, knowing that you are covering the Vegas Golden Knights, essentially, and you are essentially covering the greatest story in sports. And they're about to play for the Stanley Cup. They're four wins away, really, from winning the Stanley Cup. I remember just after they had the media meal, which in their definition was opening the entire concourse to all the restaurants that that were there, which was awesome, by the way. Um, I remember just going toward the ice and I just wanted to take a picture of the ice because I was like, you know, they probably it's day before game one. They probably have to update the ice. Right. And it didn't really hit me until I looked at the ice and I saw Stanley cup final 2018, not just Stanley cup playoffs. It says Stanley cup final on the ice. And then you looked over to the right toward the castle in T-Mobile arena. And there were only two banners left capitals, golden Knights. And it was just amazing to see that unfold. It was amazing and I don't think it really set in until really the next day when it was game one and I got to the arena a boatload early. Like I'm talking three and a half hours before game time. And it I'll never forget 98 degrees at about two o'clock in the afternoon. It is beaming hot. Like, I'm thinking, is the ice actually going to stay ice throughout this game, or is it going to turn into one giant puddle as they skate along? I just remember standing outside for even 15 minutes, and it was just beaming hot. And funny enough, I got there right as Lil John was kind of doing his whole mic check thing, because Lil John was actually going to do a little performance before the game, and it was going to be broadcast on NBC beforehand but he he held a little bit of a of a preview concert which i i don't know if you can actually call this a preview concert because literally lil john the only song he did was turned down for what which i mean what was it like five or six words throughout the entire song so i mean he didn't really have to do much but i mean he got the crowd hyped and that's really what you want to do so he does his little thing and I'm out there again, 20 minutes in, I'm already, I'm already sweating. It's ridiculous how hot it is outside. And I go, um, NHL.com actually had its own media room, which was fantastic for us. And I go in and especially at this time, I start meeting more of my editors, my bosses who made the trip and, uh, my editor in chief, uh, was asking me, hey, I, I got a good idea for a story. Why don't you go outside, try and interview some Capitals fans, try and interview some Golden Knights fans, 
and kind of just get their reaction to what's about to happen. I said, okay, that sounds good. One thing that I learned (laughs) amidst all of this is that you should have your actual recording device be a recorder. You should not have it as your phone. Because I stayed out there for about an hour to get Capitals fans, to get Golden Knights fans. I tried to. I got a, I've got a bunch of Golden Knights fans who are actually a family who, you know, who drove up from New Mexico to really watch these games. And then I talked to a couple Capitals fans who lived in Virginia. And while I was talking with the Golden Knights fans, the one thing that was hilarious was that NBC all of a sudden is just like, kind of cuts my interview a little bit like hey we're about to do a shot with nbc do you want guys want to get i'm like okay here comes jeremy roenick which yeah not a good time to mention jeremy roenick's name i i feel but here's jeremy roenick who is in this shot with about 10 golden knights fans and he's getting the crowd pump i think i'm i don't know if i have the video of it anymore but i took a video of it and they're and they're just chilling with jeremy roenick just having a good time it was hilarious um then we finished my interview and then at about right as I was about to finish my interview, my phone overheats. Right. And then all of a sudden it just shuts off and I'm like, Oh hell no. I go back into the dot com room and I'm like, so I was recording and my phone just went bleh. and they were like, Oh no. So I'm like, just give it a little bit and cool it off. I'll write the story. I'll be fine. It might be a little bit, but it's fine. He's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But I wrote the story. It turned out to be a really fun story. I, th- I thought I thoroughly enjoyed writing that. And then we get to game one, right? Game one of the Stanley Cup final. In what could only be described as the most over the top <laughs> production I've ever seen for a championship game. Like, if this was game seven, I could understand it. We're talking game one. They went all out Vegas. I'm talking about they skated through the helmet, skated through the tunnel, the crowd's going wild, they're, they're waving the rally towels, and then they have Michael Buffer doing the intros. And I was just sitting, and I don't think anybody knew that Michael Buffer was going to be doing the intros. I'm just watching in awe because, like, we all know Michael Buffer is one of the greatest ring announcers of all time. I knew Michael Buffer just because of what he did when he was with WCW when I was a huge wrestling fan growing up and he was always the main event um, announcer for the, for the championship fight in WCW. And it was always hilarious. That was my first introduction of Michael Buffer. And all of a sudden here he is introducing the starting lineups in Washington and Vegas. And I'm just like, what the heck is happening, man? That's so awesome. It was so awesome to watch that. Right. And friends, we're going to get into my discussion about the Stanley Cup Final in just a little bit. But before we do, you know I have to tell you again about my good friends at Homie. Because Homie is here to help you make your home buying or selling experience that much easier. Now, it's no secret. My wife and I trying to find a new home. We're kind of holding off right now with the whole coronavirus scare and you know, things might not be the right time to do it. But I'll tell you what, when everything boils over and we are ready to go full dive into this house search, uh, Homie is going to be who we hit up 
to get this going. Homie is a tech company that is led by a team of agents that is designed to make buying or selling your home that much easier. They have had locations in Utah and in Arizona, and just recently they have set up shop in Las Vegas. So, I mean, I talked to my brother about it a, a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me about how Homie is such a a prime way to get your home on the market or to find the right home for you in Utah. And they are now making their way to Las Vegas, which is a great thing. You don't have to worry about high rates. You don't have to worry about commission fees. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's a team of agents that is there to help you to make your home experience that much easier. And they also wanted me to let you know they are a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. So, of course, you know if the Golden Knights trusted, if the Golden Knights can trust them, they can trust me on this podcast, and that means you can trust them. All you got to do to get in touch with Homie and to get $250 off your listing fee, which, again, is a $2,500 first fee that all you have to do, you get $250 off it, here's what you do. You text 88588, you text the word Knights to that number, 88588, and you will get $250 off your listing fee and... The, you will be in touch with these guys who are ready to help you today with your new home. That's 88588, text the word nights to that number, and that is HOMIE, H-O-M-I-E. And then it turns out the Golden Knights go out and have one of the most exciting games I've ever covered. And I mean, I've covered, and I obviously I covered the home opener, I covered the division clinching game. I covered the double overtime against the Kings. I covered game four against the Jets to put them up three, one, you know, I, I've covered a lot of exciting games. Game one of the Stanley cup final from, um, I'm not, I'm not going to eclipse anything from the home opener. Like that is on another level all by itself, but game one of the cup final, that atmosphere was incredible. It was a back and forth affair. I think the Golden Knights got out to the early lead with Colin Miller's goal, and then Washington was just hitting them back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, they're down, what was it, 4-3 in the third period because I think Flurry accidentally kicked the puck into the net. So it's 4-3 Washington. And then Ryan Reeves gets away with the cross check in front and is able to pot the rebound over Holtby and tie the game. And I was like... It is official. There is no way this game is going to get better. And then Shea Theodore with the amazing pass to Tomas Nosek right on the back door to make a 5-4, and then he pots the empty netter, 6-4. And then that game ends. And the only thing that I can think of at that moment, and I, and you know what? Probably it is my fault that I jinxed him. If you believe in jinxes, you can blame me for the Golden Knights not having a Stanley Cup championship in year one. But I remember going back into the into the uh into the room to do my story and we were all talking some some of me and some of the dot com guys were talking and I just said I've just got this weird feeling that they're gonna pull this off. And everybody was like, you know what, you're probably not wrong. Like th- there is a there is a chance they could do this. They won game one in the fashion that they did. Didn't get the best goaltending performance didn't have the best defensive performance against that team. The top guys in Washington really didn't do much outside of Oshie, and I think Baxter might have scored one as well. Ovechkin was quiet at that point. You just had this sense that 
they won this game, if they can go up to nothing heading to Washington, you got to think they are in the driver's seat. And going into game two, that's exactly what happened. James Neal scores the first goal of the game midway through the first period. And all of a sudden, here we go. Golden Knights are off and running. And you're thinking to yourself with 50 minutes to go, this might be happening. And then the Capitals woke up. <laughs> all it took were was, what, what was it, four unanswered goals basically in the last two games for the Capitals to wake up. They score three straight in the second period to take a 3-1 lead. They cut the lead to 3-2. And then with a few minutes left in the game. Now, I, I will give you the vantage point of watching it live. I think everybody in that building, including everybody up top, thought Alex Tuck scored that goal. I don't think there was a soul, not even on TV, did anyone think that Braden Holpe got his stick on that puck? And I was ready for an overtime game two. I was so ready to watch because overtime in the Stanley Cup final, there is another level of magnitude when it comes to that. And I thought he scored that. And I was like, all right, here we go. And then the, the referees said no goal. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did that happen? And a lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people point to that goal or point to that save as the save, which obviously it is. But they pointed that save as the momentum swing. To me, the momentum swing was Vegas giving up those three straight goals. And I think that was the opening where Washington was like, okay, we got this in the bag. We've done our duty. We've gone into Vegas. We've stolen one, literally stolen one off the stick of Brayden Holpe. And now we go back home for two where our fans are going to be wild. And we've got a chance to put a stranglehold on this series. Golden Knights lost three to two. And the series is tied to one. But I still felt going into D.C. that that game was going to be, or that, that the Golden Knights were still going to be comfortable in this series. I still had a feeling, just because I thought they've been doing it all year. They've been playing so well on the road all year long that if, they, if there was a time where they could show their resolve, I still thought in my heart of hearts that they were going to come out of this at least a split in games three and four which obviously that wasn't the case, but uh, my trip to DC was a rather interesting one. <laughs> uh, I, I will start it with that. Um, if anybody who knows me like well enough knows this story well, but I'm going to tell it to you guys as I think this is a perfect platform to tell this story. Um, See, knowing here's this situation with me. When I was also working my overnight job, I wasn't really sure if I was going to be guaranteed the vacation time. So I really had to play it by ear. There was no guarantee that I was going to get on a direct flight from Vegas to DC without shelling a little bit more money. Fortunately, um, the money that went toward a flight to DC ended up being a birthday present for me because my birthday was literally the week, the week prior. So basically it was just like, okay, well the best thing we can do and the cheapest way we can do it is have a flight from Vegas to Atlanta to DC. Now I had the flight, I got to McCarran at about 
I want to say about five o'clock. I left work early at about three thirty in the morning, and I and my wife drove me to McCarran. I got on. I got into the airport. And I think my flight took off at like five thirty to get to Atlanta. And then the plan was to have a connecting flight from Atlanta to DC, and I was going to land at DC at around three thirty local time, to which then I would have about four and a half hours to um, get to the or get to the hotel, get get the get to the arena, all that jazz. Now, one thing that I should point out here is Ken Bulky from Simbin and I, we shared a hotel in Virginia. We planned on sharing the hotel and he was also going to get a rental car. Well, what turns out is that he left his ID in Winnipeg when he was in Winnipeg for the Western Conference Final for Game 5. He left his ID there. So he could so he tried to get the replacement, but the rental car place would not take his piece of paper that says he is who he is. So he asked me if I could pick it up. And I said, sure, it shouldn't be a problem. The problem was is that I didn't have a lot of money on my card at the time to where I could pay the deposit. You follow me here, right? But that's not even the craziest aspect of this whole trip. The craziest aspect of this whole trip was that I got on the plane from Vegas to Atlanta, no problem. And the plane from Atlanta to D.C. was supposed to take off in two hours. So I had plenty of time to like go get some food, uh, go watch a movie, do what I ever had to do before I was going to get on the plane to Atlanta to D.C. and essentially um, get there on time. But as fate would have it, um, it started to rain in Atlanta. It started to pour just a bit. Not only was it pouring... There was also the matter of a mechanical problem with the plane to which the, the, the wonderful flight attendants working the flight from Southwest said, it shouldn't take that long, it should be about another hour. Well, that hour took about another 30 minutes and then it took, added another hour to it and then another hour to it and all of a sudden I'm looking at the clock and it's about 5 o'clock. Now, the flight is supposed to be an hour and a half. At this point, I am freaking out. Now, I'm, I'm internally freaking out. Like, I'm not going up to the, to the airplane people and just like, why isn't the plane working? Get us on this damn plane. I'm not doing that. I, I apologize for losing my cool there. and <laughs> saying a problem word that would anger a lot of you. I apologize for that. But it, it, it just kept getting closer, and I got nervous. I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, at about 6.30. Now, the game is supposed to start in an hour and a half, so people are already at Capital One Arena. Everyone's already at the arena. I kid you not, I'm sitting next to about 10 Golden Knights fans who are also on the same connecting flight as me. There are also five Capitals fans on the other side. Now, these guys are talking. like They're, they're not like angry talking. They're literally just chatting about, oh man, are we really going to miss game three? Is this really going to happen? And I looked over and I'm just watching them talk. I'm observing. And then I eventually get into the conversation and I start talking to them. And, um, (laughs) at one point, about 30, about an hour before puck was supposed to drop, 
these people were legitimately starting to discuss the possibility of having an impromptu watch party at the Atlanta International Airport where they were seriously talking to anybody they could find, anybody who was working at the airport, to make sure that they had the game ready on NBC to have this watch party ready. And I legitimately thought it was going to happen. And it seemed like talking with these people, they were act, if they weren't going to have it, they were going to be excited just to go to one of the bars in the airport and, and watch this game. It, that was essentially what was going to happen. So I figured, well, you know what? It's dinner time. I, I didn't eat a lot for lunch. I'm going to go get food and then come back and hopefully, hopefully there's a resolution. Eventually, there would be a resolution. Um, the problem was is that I didn't hear it. I didn't hear anybody over the intercom say, Southwest flight, blah, 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 is boarding right now from Atlanta to D.C. And I got my food. I got the, It was Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A was literally two gates over, so I was able to go get Chick-fil-A. The line was absurdly long. I got my food. I'm walking back, and the entire boarding area is empty. And I'm like, oh, hell no, don't tell me they took it. And again, I'm sorry. I'm literally, I don't mean to throw out, you know, the hell and the damn, but I'm, I'm literally telling you guys, like my thought process <laughs> throughout this whole thing, I was freaking out. I'm going, I, I go to the board. I'm like, please don't tell me the plane took off. I was like, no, 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 come on in, come on in. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, can I please bring my food in? Like, yes, you can bring your food in. And we got on the plane, we boarded, and then we took off. We took off. We landed in D.C. We landed in Washington, D.C. I kid you not, guys. We landed in D.C. at 8.01. Puck drop was in 10 minutes. I had just landed in D.C. I was stuck in Atlanta's airport for close to seven hours. And I had just gotten to D.C. 10 minutes before Puck was supposed to drop. Now, here is the thing. I get off the plane. I have to go run, get my bag, and then immediately find a way to go get the rental car. The problem with the rental car place, which, you know, I'm not blaming Ken for this. It's not like he knew immediately either. But there are five different rental car stations at the, at the airport in D.C. I can't remember exactly what airport it was in D.C., but there were five rental car areas throughout the entire airport. And D.C.'s airport is like a zoo. It is like literally 55 roundabouts just to get you to your certain gate, to get you to your terminal. It is insane. So not only is it starting to rain a little bit, not only am I panicking because I need to make sure I get to Capital One Arena on time, which at this point is not happening. I then have to figure out which rental car place I have to go to, to go pick up the rental car. And I'm still, you know, kind of freaking out. I have no idea where to go. I have a bag. I'm still not even dressed for work attire. I'm still wearing my, you know, my casual clothes that I wore when I went to work the night before. So I'm not even like fully dressed and I got my duffel bag with me and I've got my computer and I'm trying to figure out where to go. So I go, I get on one of the shuttles that takes me to the 
um, to, to one of the rental car places. I then, I tell them the information, you know, like, the rental car. It's like, oh no, you need to go on this shuttle and this shuttle will take you into the city in which you will then be taken to the rental car place. I said, it's in the city. He's like, yes, it's in the city. And I was like, oh my God, by the time I got there, by the time I got to this rental car place, puck had dropped. Puck had dropped. They're playing. I'm following the game on Twitter. As the game is going on on Twitter, mind you, I am also at this point live tweeting what is happening to me. And everyone is apparently loving this. (laughs) And at this point, I'm not even mad. You know, because at the end of the day, I was able to get the time off to go to D.C. to cover the Stanley Cup final. You know what I mean? I was able to actually get there to have fun. And I wasn't even mad. I was frustrated that I didn't know where I was, but I I had to figure it out. Like, I'm here. I'm here safely. That's all that matters. So I get on the shuttle, and on my way to the rental car place is when Alex Ovechkin scores and puts the Capitals up one nothing. Say la vie. So... I'm thinking to myself, okay, I might have enough time to still get there maybe for the second period. It it could be it could be good, right? Like I could be able to get the rental car and get there. The problem is I get to the rental car place and the reservation and again, I'm not blaming Ken for this at all. The reservation was supposed to be under my name. But for some reason, it never showed up. And not only did it ever show up, it was like in a separate area on their like their work order process that they didn't change it. It was in the notes, but it wasn't in the actual thing where it's supposed to say my name. Well, turns out they wanted an abundance amount of money because I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have a credit card at the time. They wanted a boatload of money to off the debit card in which I was not prepared to shell out four figures to put a deposit on this car. So then I call Ken and I call Ken and I tell him, Hey, th- this is a problem. <laughs> and it's literally first intermission. Like it, the first period's over. I'm about maybe 10 minutes away from Capital One Arena by car. So if I can get the car and park it, God forbid, if I can find a parking spot, I'll at least be able to get there with a reasonable amount of time. So I'm talking to Ken. Ken tells me to put him on the phone with the guy. And basically, Ken is like, I can give you the credit card info right here. Like, I'm not trying to. And the guy is literally being a pain in the you know what. And he's just giving Ken a heck of a time to which he's like, well, we can't take the credit card. So Ken hangs up and I'm like, okay, well, what do we do now? Well, the next thing I can do is I can call a cab, called a cab for me. And they took, and the cab took me all the way to Capital One Arena. And it was a 10 minute drive, but I was stuck at the rental car place for so long. And I was stuck in traffic leading up to Capital One Arena that by the time I got there, the second period was over. The second period was over. And I just got into Capital One Arena. 
I got in, I checked my bag, I expl- and the 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 bag checking people were so nice, but I explained them to the situation. I was like, I know it's weird that I have a duffel bag, but I literally just got off my flight and I'm just trying to get in. They were so nice and they were so helpful to get me to where I needed to go. I got into the bathroom, I changed into a regular, you know, nicer set of clothes. I left my bag in the media workroom downstairs. And then I got upstairs and then about five or six people, five or six of my colleagues from dot com, all of my all of my friends that I work with now here in Vegas, they're all there and they're just they're laughing, but they're making sure I'm okay. And I was just rattled. I get to the far end of where there's extra seating and there's Ken and Jason sitting over there. And he's like, oh, my God. And Ken's like, I'm so sorry. And it's like, it's fine. Like, I'm here. It's okay. And it was just the most, it was the weirdest thing and the most absurd thing that I've ever gone through in my life. And to be able to say that I got there only for Tomas Nosek to score in the third period and cut to two to one, I said to myself, you know what? They're going to come back, aren't they? They're going to come back and like force overtime just in time for me to get here. And then Devontae Smith-Felly scored that goal off the bad turnover from Shea Theodore to make it 3-1, to one, and that was all she wrote. And I mean, that that ended a very interesting... Actually, that, did, that wasn't the end of the day yet, because afterwards, after, you know, I didn't... I think I... I don't remember if I wrote anything when I got there. But afterwards, uh, Ken, me, and Jesse Granger went to this Chinese restaurant, literally right around the corner. It was like a little downstairs hole in the wall. And we had... Uh, we we were at this Chinese restaurant and we just, you know, we're getting some food because again, I hadn't eaten since Chick-fil-A and I really wasn't that much. So we got there and we're sitting at this table and then all of a sudden these Caps fans bought us beer. I don't know if they recognize well, they recognize Ken or they recognize, you know, me or Jesse, but well, more than likely not me. <laughs> but um they bought us beers while we were there and it was absolutely a awesome thing that happened. I was really excited about that. Then uh Ken and I took an Uber all the way to Virginia to get to the hotel and that was that. That was my adventure going into game 3. And that's still remains one of my favorite stories. Ironically enough, it was on June 2nd. June 2nd was also the day that I had the cops called on me because I was yelling so loud that the Dallas Mavericks came back from 15 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Miami Heat to tie the NBA Finals in 2011 at a game apiece. I literally had the cops called on me. That's another story for another day. But Golden Knights lose game three. They had practice the next day. We didn't go to it um, because we were just so exhausted. I was exhausted. I did not want to go. Game four, um, I actually didn't have a seat in the press box. It was actually completely full, so I was down in the stationary press box downstairs. And all I could see was just the blitz of goals, just one after another, one after another, one after another. And James Neal hits that post. Maybe it, if it if he doesn't hit the post and it goes in, maybe it's a completely different game. But the Capitals came out and blitzed the Golden Knights in a r- ridiculous fashion. I I mean, it was just watching them explode the way that they did. I mean, Vegas scored like I think two in the third period. I was like, oh, maybe they might get, they might have a chance to actually cut into this. 
But the Capitals, I think, already seized it. And once they won that game, I still left that arena thinking, you know what? There's still a slight chance that they could, if there's a team that could come back from 3-1, it's this team of destiny. You know what I mean? It's this team of destiny that could just band together. You know what? We, yeah, we, we've been down before. We can come back from 3-1, sure. And then we got back to game five, which, by the way, you know what? I have another story. Bookmark this. I have another story on my way back from D.C. By the way, it was just one straight flight, nonstop D.C. back to Vegas. So that that's a, But I have another story. I will bookmark this for another day. There's another story that I will save for another podcast, probably on Monday. I will try to remember that. Um, we go to game five back in Vegas, and you, you don't get the sense that something is over until you watch the crowd, until you look at the crowd and you're thinking to yourself, okay, how is the crowd reacting to what is could be the end of this? And the minute I saw about about a 60-40 split between Golden Knights fans and Capitals fans, I, I just had a feeling that I think the fans knew that the run was over. And if the fans knew the run was over, then it was probably going to be the last game of the season. And I, I, again, that building is another, it, it goes to another level, especially with visiting fans. And then when, Washington scored to take the lead off the off the speeds of turnover. I had never heard a road crowd yell that loudly than that moment. And at that point, you were just like, uh, "It's over. There's no way Vegas is going to score again. There's no way that they're going to, and there, there's no way that this is going to be. There's really no way that this is going to end their way, and it did." Golden Knights lost four to three. And then to watch the Capitals, to watch really a Stanley Cup celebration, no matter which team it is, would it have been sweeter if it was Vegas? Absolutely. If it was Vegas, it would have been 10 times sweeter. But I think just having that memory of watching Alex Ovechkin take the Stanley Cup and hoist it over his head, knowing that we have seen one of the greatest players to ever play this sport who had been knocked out of the playoffs so many times, especially only in the second round. They had never been to the Easter Conference final up until this year. And for Alex Ovechkin to get his hands on the Stanley Cup and to watch him take the cup around the ice, I mean, I, again, I know it was in Vegas, but that is a moment that for me personally – will stick in my brain forever because that that is the moment that Alex Ovechkin went from all-time great to like upper echelon of all-time greats. Now, it would have been hilarious had I gone into the Capitals locker room and just watched him uh you know spray everybody with champagne, but I don't think that was a uh I don't think that was a possibility, but I remember going into the Golden Knights locker room afterwards and just the somber feeling, you know, how they came this far. You know, a lot of players were saying, yeah, we're proud of this moment. Obviously, it sucks that we can't finish the job. And you watch this team go from everything that it did, from the expansion draft to the first preseason game to 1 October to starting 3-0 and 
and to having all the regular season moments that they had leading up to this improbable playoff run where they swept the Kings, they beat the Sharks, they reeled off four straight, beating the Jets, and to come within three wins of a Stanley Cup final in year one after one of the best games that has been played at that building was game one, to see that unfold was absolutely, it, it was just one giant draining moment. Not for me personally, but just, it kind of just felt like this release that was just over. And it was just crazy to see all of that, uh, all of that stretch of time, which felt like, it felt like three years and at the end of it, it was about 12 months, just a little under 12 months. It was nearly tw- it was nearly one year to the day that George McPhee and Bill Foley were sitting at a table inside that same arena, calling off names of players to add them to the roster, to add them to the team. And it almost culminated in a Stanley Cup. That, to me, is the most amazing concept of this whole run. That Golden Knights team will not only live in team history forever, it will live in sports history forever. Knowing how close they came to pulling off the impossible, which is why now when I say this team is like in a cup or bust mentality, it's because of that season. Because now... With the way that they've won, they have put themselves in this position to either win it or come up short every year. Last year, who knows what would have happened if they would have won game six, not allowing a shorthanded goal, and if they didn't give up the three, if they didn't give up the four straight in game seven, if they didn't lose, who knows what would have happened. Could they beat in Colorado? Probably. Could they beat in St. Louis? I don't know. Maybe. There is a possibility. That's why this year, last year's team was a big what if. This year, if there is no hockey played for the rest of the year, it's another big what if story. It's another big what could have been. Because this team was playing well at the right time. They're obviously the most talented team in the Pacific Division. And if they got to the Western Conference final against, say, a St. Louis or a Colorado, it's all hands on deck. And you can only imagine what would have it been like. Hopefully we get that answer in a couple months. Hopefully we get that answer. But for now, just going back to 2018 and just thinking about that season, it, it is the greatest thing ever. It's absolutely incredible to see what this team did, to think back on what this team did. And it makes you think, what would have happened if Hopi didn't save that? What would have happened if the Golden Knights didn't allow those three straight? What would have happened if they did complete the comeback in Game 3? What would have happened? A lot of things were going to happen. What would have happened if Eric Carlson was on this team? Would that have been the push over the top to get the Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup? We'll never know. We will never know. But I will tell you what. It has been a lot of fun reminiscing on year one. And I know this one is a little bit longer than the other four episodes. But 
part of it was just that story of me getting lost on the plane, <laughs> lost in the airport in DC. But that that's a memory that even if it was as crazy as it was, I'll remember it forever. And I'll remember that trip to DC for forever. And I'll remember that season covering that season forever. One day I'll write a book on it because I know a lot of people have already done books. Maybe one day if the golden Knights win the cup, I'll write a book for sure. But for now, I hope this provided a good, you know, a good way to kind of bring it all together in reliving year one. So that my friends will do it for me in this five part series of reliving year one. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the Stanley cup final, let me know, you know, shoot me a tweet, shoot me an email. would love to know your thoughts. Were you at the games? Were you there also? What did you think of the atmosphere? Just let me know. Would love to hear from you. Um, Next week, I don't have a plan. <laughs> uh, there is no plan right now uh, for what to do next week for this podcast, but we will figure it out. Um, right now, I think we'll just do some more revisionist history and see how it goes from there, but I don't have a plan right now. And I think that's kind of the fun part of having no hockey right now is because we have to figure out what the world we're going to do. But I'll figure something out. I will figure something out. All right, guys, that will do it for me. Hope you enjoyed this series of Reliving Year One, and I hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane with me. And uh, we will be back Monday. What it is we're talking about, I have no idea, but I hope you all will join me for then. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you Monday. Have a good one!